I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts during the 90s. It was a great time and place to be a kid. Our main street was chock full of kid-friendly activities. There was an enormous outside go-kart track with a huge arcade full of the best games from the 80s and 90s. And I remember spending hours playing the alligator version of Whack-A-Mole. And then just down the street was Toontown. It wasn't anything special, just a typical 90s music store. But they had a cute little dog with a bandana, who was in all their TV commercials. And though I've long forgotten the little guy's name, he was really cute. And whenever I'd go in to buy a new cassette tape, he'd be there to greet me at the door. Out of all the places I went to as a kid, Funland was by far the greatest. It had its own go-kart track. A small one for little kids and a larger one for bigger kids. It wasn't as big or fancy as the one down the street, but it was still fun. There were batting cages too, lots of them. It even had a small arcade, mostly filled with pinball machines, Pac-Man and always the popular Simpsons arcade game. But the best thing about Funland was the mini golf course. It was the only one in the area at the time. And in the eyes of a ten-year-old kid, the place was huge. The iconic spaceship with the Funland logo sat in the center of the park. You could see it from the street, along with the giant giraffe statue which stared out into the parking lot, smiling down at you as you entered. There were other memorable statues too, including a pink elephant and a large dollhouse that sat in the back corner. But the greatest part of the whole entire park was the 18th hole. On the outside, it just looked like an ordinary outhouse. But if you got a hole-in-one, not only did you get a free game, but the outhouse door would swing open and you would hear the sound of a toilet flushing, along with the hiss of the hydraulics that moved the animatronic inside. It was a funny-looking humanoid dog wearing overalls, with one strap hanging down off his shoulder, as if he had just pulled them up. His eyes would blink, his jaw would move, and his arm was raised as he pointed at you, scolding you for disturbing him. Well, hey, what do you think you're doing? Get out of here, he'd yell in a goofy attempt at a southern accent. And then the door would close, and you and your friends would have a good laugh before you left. Every time I went there, I could not wait to see that dog. And like all things from childhood, the fun of Main Street slowly faded away. I think the go-kart track and arcade were the first to go, sitting abandoned for years before being turned into a daycare center. They still kept the track having only gutted and rebuilt the arcade to serve their needs. So it just sat there in the back with one or two remaining go-karts frozen in time. And then Toontown went out of business, unable to keep up with the bigger music chains like Newberry Comics and FYE. I imagine that cute little dog has to be dead by now. Unless the go, of course, was Funland. It was painful to see it start to rot and decay in its last few years of life. 
The paint on the animal statues faded. The eyes on the giraffe looking sadly out into the emptying parking lot as less and less visitors came to see it. When the park officially closed, I was heartbroken. And by that time, I was in high school and it had been a long time since I visited the park. I used to drive by on my way to work, watching it slowly deteriorating away. The elephant eventually tipped over onto its side, the chain around its huge stump of a foot that had been keeping it latched to the ground was now visible and exposed. The doors and windows of the dollhouse were broken and shattered, as if it were a real abandoned house. The outhouse door remained closed, the wood cracking with age, and I could only imagine what the poor animatronic dog inside looked like. Eventually, nature reclaimed the once thriving park, and I would no longer see into it. All that remained visible was the head of the giraffe peeking over the rusted fence. But curiosity got the best of me, so I gathered two of my friends, Kevin and Zach, one night, and we decided to break in and check it out. As we walked up to the surrounding gate, I looked up at the giraffe. It was the first time I noticed just how creepy it looked. Its yellow coat of paint had almost completely faded leaving only its brown spots and huge, almond-shaped black eyes. Continuing on, we snuck into the back of the park near the batting cages. Zack brought a pair of garden shears and cut the fence open, just enough for us to squeeze through. And as I entered the park for the first time in what must have been over a decade, I looked around in complete awe. Everything was just how I remembered it. The go-karts were still on the tracks. The batting cages still had balls in them. But the arcade was all boarded up, and the mini golf course was covered with trees, and was damp with overflow from the nearby swamp. I sighed, saddened by the sight of what once was a happy and magical place from my childhood. The feeling the old abandoned park gave off at night sent a shiver down my spine though. I never really noticed how creepy it was, until then. We went through the course in order, starting at the first hole. There was nothing special, just the usual challenging mounds of fake grass, now moist with rain. The swamp hadn't reached that far yet. As we continued, we walked past the pink elephant, now a shade of ghostly white. He lay on his side, eyes staring vacantly out into the park, as if he had just expired. I ran my fingers over his massive head before moving on. The dollhouse was the next memorable thing that we came across. It looked like a miniature haunted house. I half expected the broken doors and windows to be boarded up like the arcade was, but you could still see inside. The little pieces of furniture were all toppled over and spilled out onto the ground. And this is the part of the park where the swamp had touched. The smell wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. The town was covered with swamps as it was. We couldn't reach the entire back section, unless we wanted to wade through the disgusting water. Our only choice was to head straight to the 18th hole. 
Finally, the part of the park I wanted to see the most. More than anything, I wanted to see that dog again. It was half nostalgia and half an exciting sort of fear of what it would look like. Was it even still there? Was it in good condition, preserved by the outhouse? Or was it like everything else in the park, sad and neglected after all this time? I couldn't wait to find out. Did you bring it? I asked Kevin. He nodded and handed me one of his dad's golf balls. I held it in my hand, sighing deeply as I ran my thumb over the grooves. I had stepped up to the outhouse and peered underneath where I knew the hole would be. When there was a sudden flash of light, temporarily blinding me. What the fuck, Zack? I complained, blinking away the white-yellow spots in my eyes. Dude, I was just trying to help, he replied moodily. Let's just hurry up and get out of here. Yeah, added Kevin. Place is giving me the creeps. Yeah, yeah, chill. Not until I see him, I snapped. I'm sure I must have sounded crazy. I was talking about the dog, as if it were a person. But to me, he was more than just some sideshow attraction to be gawked at. He was a part of my childhood. It was like I was about to meet an old friend whom I hadn't seen in ages. My friends didn't reply. Zack simply kept his flashlight pointed beneath the outhouse, and Kevin sighed in annoyance, tapping his foot impatiently. But now we could all see it. The hole, the white tube in the ground that brought the golf balls back into the little hut at the entrance that once contained all the golf balls and clubs. It was barely visible over the mound created by the fake turf, but it was still there, and I had a clear shot. I placed the ball on the ground and, aiming carefully, rolled it towards the hole. We could hear the ball enter the pipe, the sound of it swirling down into the ground echoing in the silent park. Zack and I stepped back besides Kevin, the light now shining on the outhouse itself. I clenched my fist in anticipation, wishing with all my heart that it would somehow still work that the door would open and the dog would still be there. But it was a stupid wish. We all jumped at the sudden sound of the once familiar flushing noise, now slightly distorted. When the doors began to open and the loud hiss of the hydraulics resonated through the night, we stood there breathless and silent. It worked. We actually made it work. After all these years, I'd finally get to see him again. I was so happy that I could feel the sides of my mouth curl up into a magnificent smile, as if I were a child opening a present. But the present wasn't what I had been expecting at all. There he stood, my once familiar friend, my reward for getting my hole in one but I could hardly recognize him. The fur that covered his metal frame was matted and wet, and his overalls hung loose around him, like it would if someone had lost a great deal of weight. My breath caught in my throat, which was now suddenly dry. I swallowed softly, eyes widening, 
as they traveled up the dog's face. It was a horrible, hideous sight. The fake fur on half of his head had been torn away, exposing the wires and joint mechanism in his mechanical jaw. I never remembered him having teeth. On the same side, his plastic eye had sprung from its socket and now remained dangling by his torn cheek. And then he blinked, the mechanism on the broken eye shuddering around the exposed wire, releasing small sparks. More sparks flew as his arm shot up with a clang, and the hinge of his jaw creaked as his mouth flopped open. He spoke. What do you think you're doing? The funny southern drawl of his voice was completely gone, replaced by something raspy and angry, and although I could hear the chilling distortion in his voice box, he sounded more human than I ever remembered. Kevin ran. He didn't even look back. Zack dropped his phone and slowly backed away, screaming as he stared into the dog's one good eye, which seemed to turn on him at the disturbance. Then somehow the dog moved forward. He wasn't programmed to walk, and as far as I knew, the hydraulics attached to his back only sat him up. He wasn't supposed to walk. But by God, I saw that once funny animatronic dog from my childhood step out of that old, withered outhouse towards us. And I stood there frozen in fear, staring at it. Screw this, I heard Zack utter before he too left me, and now I was alone with it. I had spent so many years thinking about this very moment. I spent countless hours thinking about this dog and wanting to see him one last time, but I knew then I should never have stepped foot into that old park. My childhood was dead, as broken as the wires and metal rods that barely held the dog together. He seemed to watch Zack go, his good eye turning with a cracking sound as he watched him disappear into the darkness. And then it turned on me. Get out, he commanded, his arm still pointing now in the direction of the parking lot where the headlights of Zack's car had just turned on. I didn't move. I could only stare. Was this some sort of sick nightmare? Some bizarre fantasy my brain thought up to get my mind off of a time I could no longer return to? And then the thing stepped closer. Its disfigured face mere inches from my own. And the smell of wet dogs seemed to invade my nostrils. Get out of here, it boomed, the voice box short-circuiting as if it had exploded before slowly fading out. It sounded like multiple voices had spoken, all deep and aggressive, almost demonic. This time, I listened and ran as fast as I could through the park which was dimly lit by the headlights of the car. My eyes darted around, and the once familiar area now seemed foreign and strange. I couldn't tell where I was going. I heard the sound of children laughing, 
the trumpeting call of an elephant, and the clanging and grinding of metal gears. When I finally reached the fence, I tried sliding through the hole we came through, but I got stuck on something. I looked down to see if my jacket was caught, but it wasn't. And then I looked back, and staring right into my eyes was one white plastic eyeball with a painted-on black pupil. My eyes widened, staring back into that black spot as if it were a hole, ready to swallow me alive. And then I discovered the reason I was stuck. The hand of the animatronic dog was gripping the back of my shirt. I know that hand was supposed to be stuck in a pointing position. It didn't have any mechanical function to actually open and close. But then again, the dog wasn't supposed to be walking anyway. You shouldn't have come back, I heard a whisper. Then it released me with a shove, and I fell through the opening in the fence. Scrambling to my feet, I ran to Zack's car, not once looking back as he sped off down Main Street. Now it's been five years since that night. I don't talk to Kevin and Zack much anymore, and we never had once spoken of the incident, not even on the car ride home. I never drove down that stretch of Main Street either, until today. It was late, and the road I usually take had a detour which led me right to it. I mean, what harm would driving by do? But I should have known better. I tried not to look. I really did, but I just couldn't help sneaking a quick peek. I couldn't see much through all the rain, but I noticed the large for lease sign that now hung on the fence. The giraffe was gone or perhaps it had fallen over and was hidden under the thick brush. And with a sigh, I continued on, trying to push the memories of that night out of my mind. My windshield began to fog up from the indecisive New England weather, so I put my defroster on. And then I noticed something. Instead of clearing from the bottom up like it normally would, my windshield began to clear in patterns. It had formed words. I stared at them, hoping with all hope that it was just a fluke or a figment of my imagination. But the message was clear. Don't come back. When the police asked what caused me to crash into the pole just outside the abandoned park, all I could do was wrap the blanket they gave me tightly around myself as I stared back towards the bushes and trees that concealed the location of the 18th hole. Dog was all I could tell them. It was that dog. Part 2 Return to Funland I live in a small town in Massachusetts where nothing big ever seems to happen. However, a few years ago, my older brother was in a pretty bad car accident that seemed to leave him more mentally damaged, as opposed to physically. Our parents ended up putting him into a local psychiatric facility, Tewksbury State Hospital. My family has never really talked about it much, 
I was too young to understand what exactly was going on at the time. All I knew was one day my brother was perfectly fine, and then the next day, he was up at that creepy rundown place they call a hospital. I didn't even know it existed until then, and I've lived here my whole life. The incident happened when I was a freshman. It had been raining out, my brother was driving on Main Street. He hit a pole in front of our local Domino's Pizza, but from what I've heard here and there, from whispered conversations between my mom and dad, and stories from upperclassmen, the accident had something to do with this abandoned park right next to the Domino's, across the street from the country club. It used to be a mini golf course called Funland. I never even glanced at the place more than once or twice, and all I ever saw were trees and a fence. But recently, I noticed some of the trees had been cut down, and I could actually see into the park for the first time. What could be in there that did so much damage to my brother? Well, I needed to find out. My friend Matt knows more about the park than anyone else I know. He's really into creepy abandoned places, and his girlfriend Jenny had been taking pictures since her first art class. She likes going to these random places and taking photos. The old Funland Park has been on her list of places to explore for a while now. They came to me a few weeks ago and asked if I wanted to check it out with them. Matt is the only one of my friends that knows what happened to my brother. Or at least, all I know about it. My parents have forbidden me to talk about it to anyone. I'm not even allowed to ask them questions. It's just something that's been gnawing on me for the past few years. And I want to know what happened to him. I want to know what's inside that decrepit old park. We finally went there about a week ago now. Matt insisted we go about half an hour before sunset. That way, Jenny could take some pictures in the daylight, and he could scope out the park for safety purposes. You can never be too careful in places like these, he told me. You never know what could be in there. According to him, some local kids have been getting over the fence from the back left side, behind what used to be the batting cages. It was a good thing we went during the dry season. The whole area is prone to flooding. Heck, the whole town is. Whose bright idea was it to build on a swamp anyway? When we got to the fence, we could tell where and how people had been getting into the park. There were several spots where the fence was actually crushed down or raised up, allowing us the option to jump over or crawl under. We picked the first option, using a convenient pile of boards to boost ourselves up. Matt dropped down first, making sure the area was clear before he helped Jenny over. Once we were all officially in the park, I sort of just stayed back and let Matt and Jenny do their thing while I looked around. Jenny was off taking pictures of the old batting cages. It was a lot bigger than I thought it would be. There were even baseballs left in the automated pitching machines. But... They were rotted and brown with decades of exposure. When I looked over at her, she was beaming from ear to ear, her camera snapping away at one of the machines. 
Its coat of green paint was faded, but you could still see the number 6 written on the side. Matt was standing in the central area, just outside the cages themselves. It looked like someone had set up a makeshift skate park. There was even a go-kart sitting there, still intact. Let's go around the golf course first. It looks like it's going to be hard maneuvering in there, even with most of the trees gone. Jenny and I nodded in agreement as we followed Matt further into the park. The course was even more run down than the batting cages. The fake green turf at each hole was muddy and covered with old leaves. The first structure we saw was what we assumed, at first, was a shed. It turned out to be a dollhouse that was even taller than me. It even had a balcony. There were bits of glass from the windows that were scattered around, smashed and cracked, either from decay or vandalism. I was actually pretty impressed that there wasn't more vandalism, though. It's one thing if you want to appreciate an old place by just looking at it and taking pictures, but it's another thing to break stuff or spray paint over everything. That shit ain't right. If there had been anything in the fake house before, well, it was all gone now. Moving forward, we saw a little wishing well. The roof was red with real slating, and the foundation was brick. We found a huge white rocket ship that sat at the center of the course with the word Funland written on either side of it. What's that over there? Jenny asked pointing in the direction of the smallish white building at the entrance. Well, I think it was an arcade, Matt replied, and that little one in front of it looks like where you get the golf balls and putters. You know? Yeah, I replied, scanning the area, and then something caught my eye. Hey, what's that thing over there? It looked like a weird little wooden shack with a sort of transparent door. The turf area was inclined and went under the door. The 18th hole, said Jenny, snapping another picture. It says so right there. Yeah, but I mean, like, what is it supposed to be? I asked. It looks like an outhouse, Matt pointed out. Oh, okay, I guess I see it now. Ring bell for free game with hole-in-one, Jenny read. Hey! What's this? She bent forward, brushing some of the leaves out of the way of what she was seeing. What is it? It's a cell phone, she said, turning it over in her hand. The thing looked ancient and caked in dirt. There's no use trying to get it to work. At least I could get a picture, she said, placing it back on the ground to do just that. It almost looks like something should be inside here. I pointed out, stepping onto the turf mound as I peered through the transparent door. I don't know, guys, we're losing sun, said Matt, gesturing for Jenny and I to follow him as he turned back to where we came from. I want to take a good look at the storage shack. Jenny and I followed after him. When we reached the rectangular white building, Matt and I both searched for some way to peek in, while Jenny took her last few photos in the twilight. There was a large metal door on one side, but it was clearly padlocked. On the opposite side, hidden behind some brush and one of the batting cage nets, was a normal-sized door. 
It was also metal, but it was a bit rusted, and it didn't have a noticeable lock. Just the metal bar that read, Push. Are we going in? I asked. Matt looked around carefully before deciding. If we can, he said, pushing down on the metal bar. The slightly rusted door moved about an inch, if that, but with a few good kicks, it slammed open with an echoing thud. Well, so much for being quiet. <laughs> yeah, let's go, Matt said, turning his flashlight on as he stepped inside the building. Jenny followed him, her eyes scanning every corner for a photo op. I took my own flashlight and casually looked around. There was stuff everywhere. Clubs, bats, golf balls, baseballs, some go-kart parts, and random pieces of wood and metal. But besides all of that junk, there were plaster and wooden figures and other pieces from the mini golf course. A huge gray elephant looked like it had been tossed in a corner, and a giant giraffe with weird alien-like eyes was shoved on top. They looked so strange just laying there, as if they were dead. I almost turned back, feeling a little creeped out, to be honest. And then something else caught my eye. To me, it looked like an old mascot costume of some sort, but then I noticed the wires coming out of it, as well as the glint of metal limbs. I stepped close, and I shined my flashlight right on it. I couldn't even tell what animal it was supposed to be. The fake fur was just too ratty. The wiring and metal that made the arms and legs were exposed here and there, where the fur had been ripped away. The head of the thing was sitting oddly on its shoulders, somehow making it seem more alert than the figures around it. I still couldn't tell what the thing was supposed to be, so I knelt down in front of it and I shined my flashlight in its face. It was a dog. A big goofy dog in overalls. One of its eyes was completely gone, with just wires pouring out of the socket and down its face. The other eye was in better condition than I would have guessed. The black dot that was the pupil looked as fresh as the day it was painted. Shining the light around, I could see the entire metal structure of the head. Only the fur on the side with the good eye remained intact. Hey guys, come check this out, I called. I found some kind of animatronic thing. I reached towards it, wanting to lift the good section of brown material up to see the whole face, and I figured Jenny would love to take a picture of it. But suddenly, the eye moved. I cannot stress this enough. I saw the eye move. I let out a sharp word or two and fell backwards onto the ground, dropping my flashlight in the process. I watched it roll just out of my reach before I turned back to the animatronic. My eyes widened. It was standing up. The weight of its head looked like it would fall to its chest if it had to look down, but it could see me perfectly with the head cocked like that. I could feel it. I watched its jaw creak open as if it were about to speak, but then the whole thing snapped down with a clang, dropping a few inches down. 
barely being held up by the wires in the dog's face. Without any sort of man-made sound from a voice box or anything, the dog spoke. Its words were chillingly smooth, as if a person were standing before me instead of a hunk of rust and wires, and it was angry. What do you think you're doing? It asked, taking a shaky, clanking step closer. I was too afraid to move. I was frozen, staring up at the dog in terror. Get out, it whispered, the angry tone still noticeable in its voice. Get out of here. Now. The now was significantly deeper, almost demonic. Where are you? I heard Matt call. You're supposed to keep your flashlight on. I turned my head to call out to him, but no words formed. I heard the animatronic's eyes move in the same direction before it once again peered down at me, regaining my attention. And we stared soundlessly at one another until Matt spoke again. I found your flashlight, he said, having picked it up from the ground just a few feet away scanning one side of the room with it while pressing his back to Jenny. Then I was blinded as one of the beams of light was turned right at the animatronic. It looked even more terrifying standing up. And then I heard Jenny scream. What is that? Why, how, why, how did it move? I heard the shudder of her camera and watched the flash light up the dog's face even more. She gasped and the camera fell to the ground with a thud. Matt, we have to go now. Come on, shouted Matt. Get out, both of you. Let's get the hell out of here. I clamored to my feet at his voice, only to be stopped just before I turned to leave. One of the arms of the animatronic shot out, the cold metal hand wrapped around my throat in a vice-like grip. I couldn't breathe. I stared astoundingly into one good eye of the thing, trying to pry the sharp metal fingers off. I winced, feeling them pierce into my flesh. Growing weak from the pain and the lack of oxygen, I hung limp in the dog's clutches. My eyes never left him, until I felt myself fly across the room and smash against the wall before everything turned to black. When I finally gained consciousness, I was lying on my back in the parking lot besides Matt's car. You're awake, Jenny said tearfully. Looking into her face, I could tell that she had been crying. Get in the car. Come on, get into the car. I could hear Matt yelling. Jenny tried to help me up, but she couldn't muster the strength, and I couldn't manage to move. I'm not sure if it was from the pain or or the shock, but Matt shooed Jenny away and pulled me into his back seat. He and Jenny got in soon after, and we peeled out of there as soon as Matt's foot hit the pedal. They took me to the hospital and said that I fell while skateboarding and I rolled down a hill. It was totally plausible. I skateboard at the park almost once a week, and the hill they were referring to was a man-made rocky hill. Both the hospital and my parents believed the story, 
so the three of us could at least feel some relief. After that, the three of us became very withdrawn at school and at home. I want someone to talk to about this so badly. That's why I'm writing this. Maybe in some weird way, it'll actually help me. But I have to be quiet about it. I can't tell anyone what happened in there. None of us can. If we do, our parents will just put us away like they did with my brother. Jenny wants to go back to see if she could find her camera, but Matt keeps telling her just to let it go. And I've been having these nightmares every night since. I'm running through the park, and the dog is right on my heels. I'll never forget that clanging sound. Hell, I could still hear it. If we could get our hands on that camera, then maybe people would believe us. Then they'd have to let my brother out. He isn't crazy. None of us are. I saw it. I saw the dog. And I still see him standing in the corner of my room. He doesn't say anything. He just stands there, staring at me with his one good eye. And I've considered trying to take his picture one more time, but he won't let me. I can fight him off eventually. I mean, I know I can. I'm stronger now. I could get my brother out of that place. I'll find the proof. I just... Well, I just need to get away from this dog. I should have never set foot in that old park. <laughs>